Hello, and welcome to an all-new episode of The Spotlight. My name is Kente. I'm one of your hosts, all the way live from Los Angeles, California. And I'm here with my wonderful and beautiful, ta- talented co-host, the one, the only, Jen. How are you doing, Jen? Hey, I'm great. It is a beautiful day in Hawaii. There is no lava anywhere and nothing <laughs> in the air, so we are golden. All right. Well, shoot, that's a good thing to know. Uh being that I just saw Jurassic uh, World last night and saw the lava, <laughs> I had to think about you and make sure that uh, you're okay and all the people that love yes. you as well. Hawaii is also dinosaur free, just in case anybody's worried. Oh, well, that's good to know because uh, yeah. we can't have we can't have you uh, getting eaten by those monsters. Are we? <laughs> <Can't> we? <laughs> so uh, tonight we have a very special guest uh, coming back to Indie Radio. Uh, and um, wait, before before we get to our guest, I see that uh, Yardley has joined us as well. How you doing, Yardley? Hey, uh, I'm doing good. I'm just trying to figure out why my video is not showing. Okay. Uh, hey, what's up, Sean? How you doing? Good in yourself, sir. Hey, I am doing good. I'm just going to work on this camera. Y'all go ahead. All right. So our guest is a terrific actor uh, from South Africa. So uh, me and me, him and... Uh, Yardley, we're all Africans, uh, so we, we all have that in common. It's the one and only Sean Cameron. Michael, how you doing, man? Good, man. Thanks so much for having me, man. How are you guys doing? It's been a while, right? I know. It has been a while, and there's so much to talk about. Uh, you know, we are obviously big fans of your work, uh, you know, and, and haven't had an opportunity on our other show, Talking Black Sales. We had a chance to chop it up with you. Uh, the last time we had you on, it was a very somber uh, show because <laughs> you had just been, spoiler alert, killed off. Uh, for those who haven't seen the show, the show's been, that, that was a couple of years ago. Uh, so this one is definitely more joyous in that uh, you're alive. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we get to talk about Thank God. that. Talk about that. So, um, but for those who, who may not have seen that uh, interview that we did with you, can you just kind of give us a little background on yourself, where you're from, and, uh, you know, and and uh, how um, active you've been since since uh, we last talked to you? Yeah, I mean, I'm originally from Cape Town, South Africa, born and bred Cape Townian, or South African. Um, I started acting when I was 12 years old, started in theater. Um, I come from a, a theatrical family. Uh, my mom was a um, professional dancer. My dad was an opera singer. So when I was a kid, you know, I was really sort of surrounded by all these theatricals, singing and dancing and having parties the whole time. So for me, it was, you know, I was I was really fortunate um, from a young age. You know, I knew that this is a career path that I want to follow and pursue. Um, so yeah, I mean, after you know, after my schooling, I moved from uh, Cape Town to Johannesburg, um, South Africa, which is sort of the main hub of the, the TV industry, and um, got into TV presenting for a few years, some script writing for a few years, worked in a soapy there called Igoli, Place of Gold, um, did, that for, uh, did that for a bit. And um, yeah, really over the past, God, I do sound old, but I've said over the past sort of three decades, um, I've tried to, you know, do as much theatre work and TV and film work and voiceovers and commercials um, to survive um, as an actor. Um, 
What's great about the entertainment industry in South Africa is that it's a facilitating industry. So over the past 20, 30 years, there have been so many um, American and international um, TV and film productions coming to film in South Africa. Um, there's amazing tax incentives and you know, rebates for them. Um, a lot of co-productions happening between the States or the, or the UK and South Africa. And so, yeah, really over the past sort of two, three decades, I've been fortunate to really work on a lot of international productions, um, you know, slowly sort of start at the bottom and build up those credits. And um, what, uh, yeah, I mean, my sort of big break, um, I suppose, was they were, you know, they were doing the 24 TV series. And between season six and season seven, there was a writer's strike in LA. And so what they decided to do was to come to South Africa, to Cape Town, and shoot a movie called 24 Redemption. And um, so the uh, director on that was John Cassar, uh, producer Howard Gordon. And, you know, obviously, you know, 24 was a big deal. Um, and so I was lucky to um, get a supporting role in that movie, which was shot in Cape Town for um, quite a couple of weeks. And um, I played a really evil character. I seem to play a lot of evil baddies, <laughs> a lot of villains. Um, I played this um, Charles Solens, who was this French um, UN worker who was, you know, just sort of doing his job and not really wanting to sort of take any sort of accountability. And uh, the role um, in the movie actually caused quite a lot of sort of controversy, um, which was cool. You know, it's great when, uh, when you play a role that is controversial and sort of, you know, is sort of in the public eye. But yeah, so 24, 24 Redemption, um, which was back in 2008. You know, um, uh, you know mm. uh, one thing about that is I, I've, I've actually talked about it on the show a couple of times about your performance in that. If you were a fan of that show 24, they had yeah. so many villains that really stand out, right? And I remembered you very well. And you're <laughs> like, when I, I remember just going, what a jerk, you know, the character. Right? <laughs> so uh, when I saw you in, in Black Sales, I always remembered that character very well. Because he, if you haven't seen it, I don't know if Yardley or Jen has seen it. Uh, he's he's definitely someone you don't root for in that movie. And you did a fantastic job, by the way. Thank you so much, man. You know, my, you know, I've always felt that my job, um, especially sort of, you know, starting in the industry and, and getting the opportunity to work on international productions, um, most of the time those those American or British productions, when they arrive in South Africa, they already arrive, arrive with a main cast in place. So as South African actors, we get the opportunity to play maybe smaller supporting roles. Um, and, and what I realized, fortunately, years ago was that my job is to be supportive of those lead actors and to help push that storyline. So in, in the case of 24, you know, you've got your hero who is Tifa Sutherland and, and he needed, um, you know, he needed this protagonist who was going to be, who was going to go up against him and be an absolute arsehole, who was going to be a baddie and make his life tough. Um, and uh, that, that's exactly, you know, what I, what I set out to do. I mean, I didn't realize at the time, um, you know, when we shot 24, that, um, I mean, obviously it was 24, I knew it was a big deal. It was, you know, I was, I was, I was so excited to be working on it. Um, but when the, when that episode or 24 Redemption actually premiered on, uh, on American TV back in 2008, 
um, I think about 12 million people tuned in. And um, because of my character, the producers on the show, um, specifically Howard Gordon, who had also written the, 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 the screenplay, actually had to make a public statement justifying my character, trying to justify why they had made this UN character such a baddie. Um, and, and, the, and the answer to that was, was that sometimes in bad situations or tricky situations, people are human beings. You get some people who rise to the challenge and they are heroes and they do the right thing, but then you get other people who don't. You know, they just probably say they're masked, and that's the character that I was playing. <laughs> so, um, yeah, hey, how's it going, man? <laughs> well, the camera's well, working. Well, then, let me ask you something real quick. The kind of pig off of those types of characters in particular. Um, looking at you on social media and looking at how you, you know, the part of you that you choose to share with us as fans about your life, you know, it seems like you take a lot of things seriously as far as, you know, your diet and your mental health and, and giving back. And you just seem to be a person who kind of, you know, you're, you're, you're very conscious of the things that are going on around you. So with you being the way that you are, how do you, you know, prepare to be an asshole in a movie? <laughs> it's, it's so contrary to what you seem to be. And I'm wondering, like, what are your, what was your inspirations for playing such good assholes on TV? Um, well, <laughs> it's, it's kind of interesting. I, um, I, I've always actually played the same character. It's, it's one of these interesting things. I, I, I think once casting directors sort of figure out what you write for, they kind of put you in a box and you end up playing the same role essentially for the rest of your career. Um, and my my first, b before 24, when I, when I was still in my early 20s, I, I had worked on a show called The Adventures of Simbad with uh, Zen Gessner. And um, yeah, I think I must have been about 20 years old. And, and the role that I played in that was a character called Tamur. And what the character was, was somebody who maybe appeared to be a baddie, but then turned out to be a goodie. Or I play goodies who turn out to be baddies. So there's always a duality to these mm -hmm. characters. Um, and it was the same with 24, it was the same with Black Sails, it was the same with Blood Drive, it was the same with all the roles that I've played over the years. Um, um, and, and, re and really to answer your question, um, I think, you know, I'm, I'm actually, I believe, you know, a really down-to-earth, easygoing, fun-loving kind of guy. And I, I try to to live a lifestyle that is healthy and good i have you know good morals and principles and ethics and um for me what acting is 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 an escape to 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 play all these roles and be all these things that, that are 100 percent completely a 360 you know turn of, of who i am as a person yeah um also um and, and so for me that's exciting it's exciting and, and challenging to play these evil you know villains and baddies because it's it, it's so different to to who i am um and, and so for me it's it's i know it's a sort of a weird thing but it's it's a form of escapism in a way to you know be playing a pirate or be playing a baddie or a serial killer or whatever i i find i find that it, that um as an actor i find it incredibly challenging um also the 
you know, growing up in South Africa, um, especially in the years of apartheid or apartheid, um, you know, I was, you know, as I say, you know, I was acting from, from a young age. And so um, I had, you know, and, and, and the household that I was brought up in was, was a very sort of carefree, theatrical, bohemian kind of kind of life. Um, and I didn't really know much about politics or racism or apartheid and, and all these kind of things. And um, at that time in South Africa, when I finished my schooling, I was forced to go to, I didn't have a choice. Um, um, you know, I had to do two years national service in the South African army. And at that time it was, you know, that was in the early eighties. It was during the times of apartheid where, you know, I was, I, as I said, I didn't have a choice. I had to do two years compulsory national service. And I was, you know, um, as, as a young kid at the age of 18, 19, I had all these sergeant majors and corporals and lieutenants who, who, you know, I'm sorry, this is really controversial, but they really were a bunch of absolute racists. And the politics in, at that time in South Africa was all black people are evil and they must die. Now, for me, as, as a South African, as an actor, who's been acting, you know, as a kid, I, I had, you know, black friends or African friends and Indian friends. And for me, this was such a bizarre, weird concept. Um, and, and, and the politics of the country, you know, South Africa was also um, under, you know, lots of, uh, South Africa was, you know, was being banned. There was lots of, um, you know, by, by the US, there was lots of, um, I can't think of the word right now. Um, but so, yeah, a lot of my bad, a lot of my bad evil characters that I play are based on the corporates and sergeant majors and these yeah. racist idiots that, that that I came into contact with when I was in my in my teens. Wow. Um, so so it's that's really what what I do. Um, a lot of them are based on these evil people that I actually you know came into contact yeah. with and spent two years of my life. Now, um, since you've been playing these uh, characters, um, I don't know what your relationship status is, but I can imagine if uh, you you play all these characters that possibly when you're trying to meet a lady, do they do does do they go, wait a minute, you're that crazy guy on T V <laughs> Does that happen or or you know, are people mainly, you know, intrigued maybe by it or what? It's it's, it's really interesting. Um it, it's really interesting that you know, I, I'm I'm naturally actually a a very shy private person. Um I, and actually I think most people are uh, and most actors are. Um, naturally, actually, really shy and and introverted, and we we use acting uh, as uh, as a platform um, to you know be extroverted. But it's really for for most actors that, you know that I know, we actually very very shy um, people. Um, and so yes, you know when I meet people, especially you know when they let's say recognize me or know me from from TV or film, they by default take it for granted that I'm going to be this really intense, I don't know, bad, arrogant, evil, weird, <laughs> sick <laughs> person. It's really bizarre. You know, because, and I was like, it's called acting. You know, yeah. it's not rocket science. It's just called acting. You know, and, and people are genuinely, seriously, within five minutes, people will say to me, but you seem so down to earth and normal and friendly and okay. So yeah, absolutely. Um, it is it is difficult meeting uh, when I do meet people, or or as I said, people are unnaturally drawn to me. Um, 
be because they they just take it for granted. Well, I am the characters that I play, or that I must be kind of psychotic or weird or strange. Um, anyway, so no, it doesn't. It, it didn't. Uh, it didn't really bode uh, bode well for my for my love life. <laughs> well, in, 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 in that sense. Um. <laughs> well, they they kind of um, go back to something um, that was mentioned earlier, and how you were talking about how the movie industry um, sometimes because of tax breaks and things like that, um, where you're at, people do like to shoot movies. And I was looking at your gram. Uh, we both follow each other on there. And it's it's pretty fun um, watching your journey, but there actually I think it was one of your last posts you were yeah. talking about Broken Darkness that that movie. Yeah. Um, and I think if I'm not mistaken, you were saying it was your first lead role in a South African film. Yeah. Hey, could you tell us a little bit about that, or is it, or are you kind of uh, hush hush on that? No, absolutely. Um, you know, it's it's I'm a, you know I've I, I've made a point. Um, you know, my, my philosophy as an actor has always been, you know, I, I just want to work and I, I, I never want to stop learning and growing and experiencing as an artist. That sounds corny, but it, it really is my philosophy. Um, and so it, it's very important for me, um, you know, besides being an actor, because I'm also older now in, in South Africa, I also did a lot of acting coaching, you know, working with casting directors working with young writers and directors and, and producers and, and people sort of, you know, starting in the industry. So um, I've consistently, um, over the past sort of two, three decades, tried to be very, very supportive of new, you know, young actors and writers and directors and people entering the industry. In South Africa, um, you know, so I, I, I still, you know, do lots of short films and music videos and work with young directors. And um, it's for, for me, it's been... An amazing experience. Last Broken Darkness or Broken Darkness is um, is a true testament to sort of paying one's dues. Um, I'd met um, Christopher Lee de Santos on a, on a short film that I had shot about twelve years ago. He was doing visual effects on that, and um, on that short film that subsequently only got released about eleven years later because they said they had the money to do all the visual effects and everything. Um, the short film was called Tears in the Rain, which was um, paying homage to um, Blade Runner. So when Blade Runner, the, the new um, sort of um, reboot of Blade Runner, if you like, um, came out, that was the same year that Tears in the Rain came out. And um, as I say, Christopher Santos, who, who I'd worked with 12 years ago on Tears in the Rain, that at that time it said to me, Yo, Brew, one day I'm going to make a feature film and you're going to play the lead role. And I was like... Um, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> and nice. um, absolutely, um, about two, three years ago, I got an email from Chris and he said, look, I've, I've um, written a screenplay for this movie. We're going to be shooting it in a couple of months in South Africa. I'd love you to play the lead. And um, so, yeah, Last Broken Darkness is something that we shot about two years ago. Um, it's incredibly um, difficult um, not only in South Africa, around the world, you know, to get movies off the ground. Um, and especially in the indie movies. Um, Last Broken Darkness is a movie that we shot over 26 days on location in Johannesburg. Um, most of it was night shoots. It was a really, really tough shoot. Um, the movie, which is actually sort of being shopped, still being sort of shopped around Hollywood right now, 
um, a lot of, and you know, Chris has been quite open about it. You know, if you watch the movie, um, you know, there's some pretty hectic, you know, um, visual effects and explosions and things going on in the movie, and it's uh, it really looks and sounds amazing. Um, I can't talk much about my acting in it, but um, you know, producers here in Hollywood have a look at it and they go, you know, what was the budget of this? Ten, ten million dollars, twenty million dollars, and then Chris goes, well, we made it for ninety-five thousand dollars. Oh my God! Oh wow! Um, so it, it's really a testament to young directors making do with what they've got and trying to, you know, put out quality um, productions. Um, so yeah, you know, Last Broken Darkness has been something. You know, we it went to the Boston Sci-Fi Film Festival, uh, won Best Actor, Best Screenplay. Um, it's won a couple of awards um, around the world. Um, they're hoping to um, try and get international distribution for it. Um, but obviously, you know, it's a really, really tough thing, um, you know, making an indie movie and getting it out there. Because um, what I've subsequently learned, especially in the context of Hollywood, when it comes to working with sales agents and that, um, and, and distributors, it's almost like they don't really want to touch a movie that wasn't made for more than $10 million. Because there's there's no money for them, you know they can't really make any money from it, and nobody. It's almost like nobody really takes a movie that was made for less than ten million dollars seriously. Mm-hmm. You know they take it for granted that it's going to be bad or it's going to be inferior. Um, so, yeah, you know when indie movies that are made on minimal budgets do become a hit, do become a success, you know they really are the exception to the rule. So uh, I I have a question for you. Mm. Uh, what just in terms of the breadth of characters that you've played what would you say is the the character that has resonated the most with you i don't mean is most like you but just sort of you found yourself at ease playing um you, it's it's um you know after um after i'd done sales i um I'd, um, once I'd finished with season two of Black Cells, which was maybe three and a half years ago, um, I, I got my green card, I, I moved to the US, relocated over here, and started doing, you know, sort of, you know, sort of, you know, guest starring roles on, on, on TV. And, um, and then I got the opportunity to play a, a guest star on the TV series, um, season three of which actually just premiered, um, I think yesterday. And um, when I worked on, uh, on season one of, of Shooter, I'd just gone in to, you know, do one episode. And um, it, what happened was, which is wonderful about Hollywood and the way TV works, is, you know, they're sort of rewriting episodes and rewriting storylines almost as they go along. And um, I'd maybe worked on episode two of Shooter and then... I was then booked in another episode, and um, they then decided to turn my character into like the lead baddie of season one. And um, for me, as an actor, you know, I, I was so um, appreciative, you know, for the opportunity. Oh my god, you know, I was only going to do maybe one or two episodes, and now suddenly I was doing four or five episodes, and I'm getting to you know work with all these great actors like Omar Epps and. Uh, Desmond Harrington and uh, obviously Ryan Philippe and um, Cynthia uh, Adair Robinson and um, suddenly 
you know, just going from playing a, a guest star with maybe one or two scenes, I was maybe in some episodes in, you know, 10 scenes. Um, and as I said before, you know, I was, I was extremely thankful to, to the writers and the executive producer, John Levin. And I said, you know, thank you so much for the opportunity. Um, and he said to me, Sean, I'm, I, you know, let me be clear. I'm, I'm not doing you a favor here. It's not like I'm trying to be your friend and be a nice guy. The, the fact of the matter is, is that you're doing good work. And, and it's because you're doing good work and we recognize that, that we want to give you this opportunity to do more episodes and do even, you know, do even better work and even greater work. And so to answer your question um, in a sort of long roundabout way, um, it's suddenly for me, you know, this was maybe two years ago, suddenly for me, um, I, I felt that I was being recognized um, as an artist and getting the opportunity to work with these great actors. And um, and and so for me, yeah, playing Grigory Krukov, this Russian character um, on um, Shuto, was, was an amazing opportunity. And for me as an actor, it, it was a breakthrough moment because... I, I I really believe, as an actor, you know, you, you know, for somebody especially who's been doing this, for, you know, for such a long time, you really only become as good as the opportunities that you get. Um, and it's yes, it is a case of working your butt off, you know, and paying your dues over over a certain period of time. But it's only really when a producer or writer or director sees sees potential in you and goes. Okay, so you're not, let's say, a big star yet, but we're going to give you an opportunity to you know, carry the show. Um, and um, I, I think as, a, a, as an actor, that, that's what every actor is hoping for, is the opportunity to, you know, really show people what you're made of. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Shooter was, was really that, that, that big moment for me where, you know, I, um, you know, was really challenged and, uh, and at, at times really, really scared. Um, <laughs> Be because um, you know, it was you know, it was a case of my character also had to speak fluent Russian. And so do, um, mm. do, do you think that that the role that you got in Shooter actually is what sort of propelled you to the role for Old Man Heart uh, in Blood Drive? Absolutely, um, absolutely. You know, with um, with Shooter, um, you know, as I say, in Shooter, I was playing this Russian character. And, I was speaking with a heavy Russian caricaturish accent. And, um, and then the, the writers and the producers said to me, you know, can you, can you learn Russian? And mm -hmm. I was like, well, you know, if you give me a couple of days and I work with a, you know, dialogue coach, yes, I can phonetically learn it. But then because of schedules and where the things move around, um, suddenly it was, you know, 10 o'clock at night and they went, okay, well, tomorrow morning, we, we'd be shooting that scene where you have eight lines of dialogue. And um, where I was feeling really strong and confident as an actor, you know, I walked onto set literally sweating profusely and shaking. <laughs> and the makeup artist was like, Sean, are you okay? What's going on? <laughs> you know? And I was like, what's going on is I've only had seven hours to learn this Russian dialogue. And, um, and I'm nervous. I'm nervous that I'm not going to be able to do a good job. And, and, and luckily, the, um, the the director, I think, of that episode was um, an English director, Simon Seelan Jones, and he sort of came up to me in Costa Ronan, and Costa Ronan is Russian, 
you know, they'd hired a Russian to, to act opposite me. So, you know, Costa was Russian and, uh, you know, and, and obviously, you know, Costa had been working on the Americans for so many seasons. And so, you know, I, I, my Russian had to be flipping good. And, um, and Simon sort of came up to, came up to myself and Costa and said, let's quickly do a word one of the scene. And I sort of did my lines, which was something like, um, how did it go? It was like, um, or something like that. And, and Costa was like, yeah, that, that, that sounds authentic. And the director was, okay, Sean, I can see you nervous. So let's quickly, let's put two cameras on you and shoot you, and shoot you out of the scene <laughs> as quickly as possible. Um, so it, 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 was really it was really challenging, but it's this whole thing, you know, you know, where people say to you, if something doesn't scare you, if your dreams don't scare you, then you aren't dreaming. You know, your dreams aren't big enough. And and once I was able to do that, once I was able to learn fluent Russian within, you know, seven hours and actually deliver and do a good job and, and, and be complimented and, and suddenly, you know, be written into more episodes. When it came to Blood Drive, um, you know, I really need to, um, you know, once again, thank John Lovin because he was, you know, John was, was the showrunner on Shooter and um, they'd already started shooting Blood Drive in, in South Africa. And the actor that they'd hired to play Old Man Hearts in Blood Drive, the actor that they'd hired, uh, it's quite controversial, but he basically was maybe in Cape Town for maybe two days and then wasn't working on the production anymore. Let's just put it that way. Mm. And I, I, got the, I got a phone call from John and he said to me, Look, you know, we're shooting Blood Drive for the next four months in Cape Town. This one actor hasn't worked out. Would you love to fly to Cape Town and play Old Man Hart, um, who's this kind of, you know, Texan American character? And and um, and John, you know, sort of stroked my ego in in a sense and said to me, you know, Sean, you've um, on Black Sails, you've played this British character. Um, you've now played a Russian character. Um, I love you as an actor, and I I have no doubt that. Whatever role I throw at you, I know that you are gonna, you know, um, lose yourself in this character and give it, you know, a hundred percent. And um, so, yeah, that's basically how I how I got Blood Drive. And and because I'm naturally, you know, I'm South African and I played, you know, you know, my, my stepdad's English. I've, I've maybe got a bit of a British sort of twang to me. Um, you know, I, I'd sort of spoken to friends and was like, you know. Do I need to sit down with an American dialect coach and work in my American accent to play old man hard and blood drive? And and they were like, no, Sean, if you feel confident in who you are as an actor and, and, and what you're going to bring to the role, just do that, you know. And 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 it was one of the it was one of these it was one of these one of these interesting things. But as I say, because of because my my confidence on shooter, you know, sort of you know sort of shot through the roof. And then, you know, with, with my drive, absolutely, I I felt very, very confident um, in, in working on, on Blood Drive and, and once again playing a really powerful, intense character. Well, um, it, yeah. it definitely shows because it, for anybody who hasn't seen Blood Drive, that your character is actually, even though he's not, uh, I wouldn't say that he's like the, the one of the main, main characters, his story arc is so incredibly important and your portrayal of that story arc is just, it's spot on. It's so deliciously good. So you, you can really tell that, uh, that there was a whole lot of 
big confidence going in with that role. You, you, you nailed it. You just nailed it. Thank you so much. Um, I, I mean, obviously, I was, I was scared about playing the old. Well, not scared. I was, um, I, I was nervous in, a, in one way about playing the old man heart, you know, because the character, and it was the same with Black Sails. I mean, I'm 48 years old. I mean, Black Sails. Um, you know, Richard Guthrie was written for somebody in their 60s. Mm. Um, on Blood Drive, Old Man Heart was once again written for a character in his 60s, 70s. And um, so every morning I would spend about two hours in the makeup truck going through extensive um, prosthetics. Mm. Um, <laughs> you know, where, where, they, where they, um, they used a, a product called um, Green Marble. Um, where they basically paint, you know, they basically paint, um, paint your face with this glue mm -hmm. so that when you, you know, frown, all your frown marks and wrinkles are just sort of accentuated and they would sort of paint liver spots onto me and, you know, paint my hair pure white. And um, um, it, it was really interesting because, you know, when I, when I you know, I literally finished shooting on, on Shooter and two weeks later, they had to kind of write Old Man Hearts out of the first two episodes of Blood Drive. They'd already started shooting. So they had to adjust the script to accommodate me oh, um, coming into the series. So that's why in the first two, three episodes of Blood Drive, you only see Old Man Hearts' hands. Um, you see him maybe having a drink or painting his nails or something like that, um, which I then quickly, when I arrived in Cape Town, quickly went to go shoot those scenes for those episodes. Um, but yeah, when I when I arrived on set and, and did my first scene, I mean, nobody really had any idea how I was actually going to be playing the character or how he was going to sound, what he was really going to look like. You know, that was all kind of made up, you know, in the moment. And it was only when I, you know, did my first sort of boardroom scene, um, you know, and the character sort of came out and, and you know, I, I sort of went with it. And uh, it was it was a very, very tricky thing because... Most of my scenes were with Colin Cunningham, who plays Slink. And Colin is such an incredible actor. Um, and his portrayal of Slink, you know, is just so big and over the top and crazy. You know, he's this master of ceremonies. Um, and I, I, was, I was nervous because, because Colin is one of your main characters in the story, and his character is really big, but at the same time, I'm playing his boss. And I was worried about, you know, that there would be this sort of power struggle, in a way, between the two of us. You know, he's supposed to be really, really big and powerful and over the top, but at the same time, I'm playing his boss. I also need to be really big and powerful. And so we... But, but Colin's amazing. And, and I knew, we both knew within... I know this sounds corny, but literally within one minute, we both knew that we respected one another as artists and it was all about the story. It was all about the show. And, and that happened in our first scene together where he walked into the boardroom. I'm sitting, obviously, at the head of the table and his character sort of walks into the room and he puts his feet on the table. And as I turn and look at him, he takes his feet off the table you know, sort of showing respect. And and so it, it, it was this continual game that we were playing with one another. Um, but at the same time, you know, being respectful of one another and being respectful of, of, you know, that it's all about the story and where we need to go with it. So, you know, you really, really are only as good. It doesn't matter what you're working on. You're really only as good as the people that you're acting opposite or with or alongside. 
Um, and obviously, you know, you know, the rest of your cast and crew, it's, it really is a team effort. Now, um, first of all, congratulations for uh, relocating out here to Los Angeles. As Thank well you. As getting your green card. I think you should go for uh, citizenship as well. So then you can, so you <laughs> Definitely. Can, so you can be an African-American uh, like me and Yardley. <laughs> but uh, what was what has it been like since you've relocated now and now that you are living in my city, Los Angeles? Uh, do you enjoy living here in L.A.? Um, how have the opportunities have changed? And uh, and uh, it's it's interesting that you went back to Cape Town to do that that part. But uh, what what has your experience been since you relocated? Um. But, well, first of all, I mean, I, I really, really do love Los Angeles. Um, it's 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 very similar to to Cape Town. You know, it's Cape Town's got its mountains and the beaches, um, and 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 Cape Town um, certainly is a very um, eclectic mix of different cultures and races. And you know, South Africans are called the Rainbow Nation, um, and so I you know I love that about specifically about, about Los Angeles and, and also New York. Um, the fact that it is this sort of melting pot of different cultures and 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 everything. Um, from an industry point of view, um, coming over here, you know, getting you know, having my green card, joining SAG, becoming a union actor, um, you know, having worked in South Africa w where we have no unions, um, it's it, it really is really is, is is a big deal. You know, in South Africa, um, the, because there are no unions. Whether you're working on a movie that's got a budget of $100,000 or $150 million, you'll always just get paid a standard day rate um, and get no residuals whatsoever for, for your work. So if you work in a TV series, irrelevant if that's if those episodes are screened a thousand times on 50 different channels in 100 countries, you won't get any residuals on that. And and being part of SAG here in the States, um, you know, you, you get residual checks. Sometimes those re residual checks are for 65 cents, <laughs> but sometimes those residual checks are for a couple of hundred dollars and maybe a thousand dollars. And so for the first time as, as, as an actor, or as an artist, I, I realized, oh my God, this is how actors actually survive and pay the rent in between jobs. That's from those residual checks. Um, I uh, and because because there there are these unions um, in the states, um, you know when I work on um, things, you know American TV series or film over here, I'm I'm working onto a set that isn't necessarily a, a low budget indie production. Um, you know I'm walking onto a set with cast and crew are all part of unions. They're all getting their day rates or more. They're all really happy. It, it's a very, for me, a very happy professional environment where there's this, um, in my experience, for me, in my experience thus far over the past three and a half years, there's, there's just this mutual respect for one another because you're working with, um, you know, with award-winning actors and directors and producers, Emmy, Emmy nominated or Golden, you know, Golden Globe nominated people. So. Um, I, I find the experience of working here amazing because there is this mutual respect. Um, as I said, that has been my experience working uh, over here. Um, and the and nothing against South Africa. You know, I, I continually go back to South Africa. I still have family and friends over there. I'm even though I'm you know a permanent resident of, over here and def definitely will be going for my citizenship in a year and a half or two years time. 
um, I, I, I still feel a, um, you know, I'm South African. I'm, I'm proud where, you know, of my country. And I still try to be supportive of the industry over there. That said, you know, when I, when I booked my first job, um, my first, it was funny, my first American job, which was in a, a series called Kings and Profits, which was an ABC, which was also shooting in Cape Town. So, um, but I booked it as a SAG actor. So, you know, suddenly I got fur flown business class to Cape Town. And when I arrived in Cape Town, the production company came to me and they were like, uh, welcome to South Africa. Here is a welcome back. We have Bolton, which is like beef jerky, you know, and I, I suddenly, I suddenly got treated differently because I'm now an American actor or I'm SAG or whatever. And for me, for me, one would have thought it would have been cool. Oh my God, I booked my first SAG job. I'm flying back to my home country to film a movie. And it actually, it actually had the opposite effect for me because this crew that I'd been working with, film crew that I'd been working with for the past 20 years, and suddenly now I was being treated differently because I was regarded as an American actor or a SAG actor. Mm. Um, for me, it, it was a weird thing. Um, it, um, you know, be, because actors, you know, should be treated with, with respect. All cast include everybody should be res- treated with respect. Um, and in South Africa, unfortunately, um, you know, there, there isn't, you know, there, there just isn't necessarily that. There isn't that respect because of those unions. It's kind of, well, you know, we'll pay you whatever we want to and we'll kind of treat you however way we want to because if, you, if you're not prepared to do it, there's you know, hundreds of thousands of other actors who will and there's nothing you can really do about it. Um, so that's sort of the one unfortunate thing. Now, if I, if I don't ask you this, uh, are your Black Sales fans be upset <laughs> But um, uh, when you saw that uh, Zach McGowan's character, uh, uh, Vane, was killed off the show, uh, was there part of you that said, that's what he gets for uh, what he did, <laughs> did to Richard Guthrie? <laughs> you know, it's, um, I mean, I, I, I think when we, I think when we, when we, when we did the last interview, maybe two, two or three years ago, um, you know, luckily I've, and this is the one, you know, this is the one big thing for me, um, uh, you know, over the past sort of two, three years in um, in, in in the States that I've learned that it, it really is all about story. It is about the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, I think I've become quite behaving or quite spiritual in a sense that, that I've realized that we're all on our own journey right? Mm-hmm. We're all on our own journey as actors, as human beings, and we all need to experience whatever we need to experience. And um, I've realized um, that for me as an actor, when I when I look at other actors get amazing jobs, and let's say, instead of me being envious of them, going, you know, why didn't I get that job? You know, what's wrong with my agent or my manager, whatever? I'm actually really, um, I'm supportive of them, and I'm excited for them, because that's their journey. Right. Um, and, uh, but, but, to, but to actually answer your question about uh, Zach McGowan, no, I mean, you know, Richard Guthrie, you know, when... Not, um, not him, but, you know, the character. <laughs> and, and you had to you had to say to uh, Eleanor, or it's, uh, Hannah New, that's my girl. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you know, when, um, you know, when John Steinberg and um, and Robert Levine and the guys, you know, told me that Richard Guthrie was going to die, mm-hmm. you know, they, they it, it was one of those things purely from a, from a storytelling point of view. 
I mean, obviously, as an actor, you think, oh, my God, you know, do I suck as an actor? That's why they're killing me off. Um, but th they said, you know, we had to do something. We had we had to do something. You know, what what could make, you know, what, what, what could cause this permanent rift between Eleanor and Charles Vane? And it was him killing her father, Richard Guthrie. Um, and so, no, 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 absolutely. I mean, you know, when, when uh, Charles Vane was killed off, I mean, obviously, for, you know, um, you know, he had such an incredible um, fan, you know, fan oh, base. Awesome, yeah. um, and so that was really, really shocking for, for, for you know, for, for the fan base. And uh, um, at the time, I thought it was, you know, it was a very sort of risky move. Mm -hmm. um, but, um, yeah, you know, I mean, the, you know, Black Cells, you know, did so well. It had, once again, you know, had such an incredible following mm -hmm. um, and, and such an incredible support base. And um, I, th I think for, you know, the, the writers and the producers on the show, um, stars, um, and certainly you know, Chris Albrecht, you know, the head of stars, you know, giving the show, you know, so many seasons, being able to sort of tell that story, um, what was amazing. Um, and, 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 and that's certainly, you know, for, for a lot of shows, <clears throat> for a lot of shows these days, um, you know, going onto um, streaming services, um, you know, whether it be Hulu or, um, you know, um, Crackle or sci-fi, whatever, you know, for, 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 um, a, a lot of writers and directors and producers find that um, they have a lot of freedom, um, you know, um, w w when their show is going to be on a, on a streaming service or on a cable network, because sometimes they, or most of the time, they're, they're almost guaranteed, great, you're going to have one season or two seasons or three seasons. So, um, yeah, there, there, there's no hard feelings about uh, Black Cells. I mean, you know, for me, it was, a, it was an incredible opportunity and, and ultimately, um, you know, you know, led to my, you know, relocating over here. All right. <laughs> yeah, and, and something else as far as, because, you know, we've had actors on the show, I guess, you know, Kente brought this up, I guess we're like a curse because, you know, we tend to get people on and they end up dying. But, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, I, I know that that's kind of a um, that's the cross that we carry here at um, here at Indie Radio. But some actors, after they get killed off, they say, you know, hey, you know what? Um, you know, once I left the show, I, I stopped watching. Did you keep tracking the show all the way through to the end? And if you did, I'm very curious. Um, how did you feel? What type of a job do you think that they did as far as? closing out the series but also leaving those threads open because we noticed some of these stories continue on to treasure island and some yeah. of the historical characters have their own things going on so did you track that and did you feel like it was solid and i mean just you know, I, I know that you, you would never say no nah, I, I thought it sucked <laughs> but did you feel like it ended in a way that um that you felt was satisfying for yourself personally um well uh, you know, two things. I mean, one, I, you know, I'm, I'm really good, really, really, really good friends with um, Hakeem K. Kazin, obviously who plays Mr. Scott. Um, and, uh, you know, I try to keep in touch with, um, with Zach and with, um, you know, the rest of the guys. So absolutely, you know, w when I could, when I had the opportunity, I was watching, um, I was watching Black Cells and, and following it and, and sort of seeing, um, you know, um, audience response to it. Um, the, you know what I can tell you about the last, you know, you know about the the seasons that I wasn't in, <laughs> is 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 that um, 
you know, every time, um, you know, so when it came to season three, when it came to season four, you know, the, the writers and the producers had to keep on up in the stakes, up in the stakes, up in the stakes. Um, so it's, I, I do know that um, that means, that, um, you know, that uh, it becomes really sort of tough filmmaking because those schedules start, you know, you know, sort of going through, going through the roof. And it, uh, I think at one point, apparently, I don't know, I wasn't there, but, you know, they, they maybe had sort of three film units busy filming at the same time, trying to get all this footage. And, you know, because of all these, you know, major ac action sequences. Um, so I know that it was a tough shoot, um, but obviously, you know, the, the channel and the audiences were demanding, you know, each season, you know, having to up the stakes and make it even more big and more, you know, over the top and crazy. Um, um, and with regard to the ending of the of 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 the show of the you know the the actual season or you know finale. I mean, I, I think it was. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tricky thing. I mean, I, I think it was ambiguous. Um, I, and I know that I know that the audience response was, well, okay. Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't think. I mean, I, I don't think an audience. You know. Especially if they've, if they've, you know, if they've been watching something for a couple of, couple of years and they've fallen in love with these characters and their journey, you know, they, they don't want it to come to an end. But um, I, I think, I think it's amazing that that Black Sails ended on a high note. Mm -hmm. You know, it ended with a bang, and um, they, you know, everybody, you know, the actors and, and the, you know all the cast and the crew and, and everybody involved with it really you know, gave everything, you know, to, because they knew that, that, you know, that, that they possibly weren't going to get another season and was coming to an end. So I, I think absolutely, you know, rather end on a high, than carry on for another three seasons after right. that. And then, you know, it kind of, kind of becomes boring. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's no such thing as uh, too much of a good thing, but sometimes when you t too much of a, a good thing, that just lasts forever, then you'll start disliking that good thing. So I think they went out at the perfect timing, and I thought it was great. And um, also, I, I have to say that, um, you know, like I said, your character definitely uh, was one of the characters that the fan base really connected to. And the show has gotten bigger since the show went off the air uh, to the point where there's so many people I've met. Like, I, I, I've said this before, that uh, there was a time where, I would tell them I do this podcast based on this show called Black Sales, and people would be like, "Now, what are you talking about? What is it?" You know. And then now it's like, so I, I still kind of have that in the back of my head. I have to explain what it is, and they'd be like, "Oh yeah, yeah I love that show." Like now, like you, because know, it's new for them because they're just now catching it on. Uh, there, it's on. It must be on Hulu or one of those. I'm not quite sure where people are seeing it. Is, it. Yeah, it's either Netflix or Hulu. It's mm -hmm. definitely on one of those. I'm, I've seen it there, and. Um, um, you know, it's, it's, I mean, I, I mean, obviously, you know, I mean, obviously, as, well, you know, when I, when I, re when I read the original scripts for season one of Black Sails, um, Richard, you know, th there's a point where, you know, Richard Guthrie, you know, obviously he gets shot and his hand gets broken and then he goes to stay with Mr. Underhill, you know, in the plantations or whatever. And the original scripts for season one, um, you know, I, I'd read the whole of season one and, um, what, what what we were going to do with season one is we were going to spend half, especially the last five episodes, we were going to spend in the plantations with Richard Guthrie and Mr. Underhill and really, you know, follow that storyline. Um, but at, at that point, um, 
the um, production wasn't, it was going to cost too much money to basically sort of go on locate or completely on location. I go build all these plantations and go, you know, move all these units to go film there. So where I would have ended up being, let's say in nine episodes of, of season one, I only ended up being in maybe in four or five episodes of season one. And then with season two, um, I, I, I think halfway through the season two, as I say, they decided they wanted to kill the character of Richard Guthrie off. Obviously, I was hoping that, because certainly in season three, there, there was a lot of flashbacks to, you know, Mrs. Barlow and, and her backstory with, um, with, uh, with Flint. And what I was hoping, and, and there was originally the intention to, to do a lot of backstory to Richard Guthrie. I mean, and especially Eleanor as a child, mm -hmm. um, and and I was I was so looking forward to doing that because because I was playing a character who was in his you know sixties. I was looking forward to actually sort of playing myself right. <laughs> <laughs> without the grey hair. <laughs> you know, actually playing a character in the forties with um, and they um, apparently I apparently they they been I think been uh, casting for you know a young Eleanor as well. So I, I was hoping that maybe in season three or four, or whatever, we would actually go there, and I would have loved to have gone back, you know, and you know, revisited, um, visited that. But um, you know, I, as I said before, you know, I, um, you know, what, what I've also realised is that um, I think for my own sanity, is that you know, my my job is to go in there and and do the best work that I can possibly do, you know, bring whatever I can to a role with the amount of time that I've got, preparation time I've got, do my research and throw myself into something. And where that goes, whether it's, whether it's a TV series, whether the TV series gets renewed, whether the people love it or hate it, the same with the movie, you know, whether the movie ever makes it, makes it out of post-production and gets released, um, how audiences are going to respond to it. You know, all of that stuff's actually got nothing to do with me. Um, you know, my job is to go there and do my best possible work, and 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 how that is, how that is eventually perceived by an audience, what the ratings are going to be like. I have no control over that stuff. Obviously, when when a show or a movie comes out, I'm going to be, you know, I feel that it's part of my job to, yeah, absolutely, live tweet and promote and you know and 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 be supportive of it and and stand by, you know, the work that I've you know that I've done in it um, or on it. Um, but ultimately, you know, how a show is perceived, um, whether or not it gets a renewal, whether people love it or hate it, um, you know, I, I have no control over that. And it's, it's I mean, I, I really take my hat off to, to writers and, and producers, you know, making new content, um, making new content. And um, because, you know, it was the same with Shooter, you know, with, you know, when we had finished shooting season one of Shooter, there were, the, there were all these shootings. <laughs> right, right, right. There were all these shootings, and uh, they had to keep on. They had to keep on delaying the, the release of the show right. because they were like, "Wow, you know, there's been all these shootings. We, um, all these mass shootings. And stuff, you know, we, we can't release the show. It's gonna be. It's gonna be. Nobody's gonna watch it. It's gonna be. Too, it's gonna be too insensitive." And they they kept on trying to. Well, that was. You know, they kept on delaying the release of of um, of the original season one of Shooter. Um, and, and to me, it's such a weird thing. I mean, obviously, you know, it's a choice of the networks. They have to do what, what they believe is the right thing. But at the same time, I also believe that audiences, they are mature enough to realize, you know, what is, you know, what is fact and what is fiction and what is real and what, you know, you know, what, what isn't real. Um, 
you know, it's it's that it's that whole different argument about you know people playing video games. Does that lead to them becoming psycho violent people and and all that? You know. Hey, if so, I, I I'm really psycho and violent. <laughs> I could tell a bit about you. I'm kidding. <laughs> so um, you know, we've talked to a lot of actors, and they talk often about having kind of a bucket list of things that they want to. Uh, kind of roles they want to portray or whatnot. Is there any kind of uh, character that you really would love to play? Uh, you know, because you've done quite quite a bit. You've done all kind of sorts of characters. Is there one in specific? I mean, um, what I liked about what I liked about Lost Broken Darkness um, that hopefully is still going to get um, international distribution um, still this year and. Um, Hopefully, get out onto a streaming service, something like that. And what, I, what I liked about what I liked about Last Last Broken Darkness, you know, it's um, he's actually a normal guy. <laughs> um, he's not a baddie. He, he's a normal guy, um, you know, who's you know who's um, lost his wife and lost his son, and he's sort of you know dealing with that. And um, sorry, I've got a new um, I've got a new movie also hopefully coming out this year called The Last Victims, um, which I'm certainly the most challenging heaviest painful role that i that i that i that i that i've played um um so i'm really excited for audiences to 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 see last victims when that um, finally comes out um but for um sort of dream role um well i mean I mean, the, the, the sort of dream directors or, or, or dream shows that I, you know, I really want to work on. I really want to work with Ryan Murphy and um, American Horror Story. You know, that, that's a show I really, really want to get on and work on. Um, but I've been, uh, I've been tweeting Mr. Murphy and he's just not responding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I'd like, you know, for me, it's not really about role. It's about, uh, it's about directors and producers and actors and people that I want to work with. Um, so it's really about that. Um, the ultimate role, this, this is a question that I have been asked a couple of times and, um, and I've really sort of, you know, sort of sat down and think, you know, what would I really like to do? You know, what is like the ultimate role? And, um, music, singing and music has been, um, also a really, really big passion of mine, um, you know, since I was a kid and, um, I, um, um, in my twenties, I, I did quite a bit of you know, composing music and, um, actually, quite a bit of hip hop music, which is quite odd. But <laughs> and um, so, so, so also having coming from a, a musical theatre background, um, I would love to, I would love to do a role, do a movie or, or a series that involves that um, where I'm singing and acting. So if somebody was doing a you know a you know um, a biographical movie of the life of David Bowie. Or Bowie, um, you know that for me, you know, would be the ultimate role. Mm. You know, playing David uh, David Bowie in a in, in a movie, um, or doing something, you know, a movie that, that that incorporates the singing and the acting because it's it's just something that people don't really know about me. Um, I mean, I think maybe three years ago I did a a musical um, a musical sh a musical sort of piece back in South Africa, but other than that, I haven't actually you know I haven't I kind of had to choose you know either acting you know TV and film and theatre or music. And and for me, uh, you know, because I think most actors have um, obsessive personalities. Um, you know, I've had to sort of you know focus on my acting for the you know for the past twenty years, and I haven't 
um, really pursue the music side of things. So that is something I would love to, um, you know, um, pursue or get the opportunity to to play around with. All right. Uh, well, Sean, um, before we get out of here, are there any projects that um, that you want to alert us of that you have coming out? Yeah, um, as I said, there's um, there's Last Broken Darkness, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, when you know, you guys know, I'm pretty good on uh, on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and these things. So yeah, yeah I mean, the minute the, the minute we know, the minute we have dates for um, Last Broken Darkness, I'll, I'll let you guys know. It's a, it's a fun, pretty much fun. It's a, it's a pretty heavy post-apocalyptic um, dystopian future movie. Um, so that, that one's that, that one was a good ride, and certainly Last Victims. Um, we're hoping to get Last Victims um, um, into um, the sort of European and also Canadian film festivals um, in um, September, October this year. So, and obviously, if it gets into those, then hopefully they'll um, you know get North American distribution for that. So, yes, the Last Victims is definitely um, one to look out for. Um, and then I've, I've also got a couple of other projects, but the, you know, as I said before, you know, movie making, TV series, wow. You know, when those guys stand up at the Academy Awards and they've won their Oscar, or they've won their Emmy or the Golden Globe and go and they, and they say, yeah, it's taken us eight years to get this project off the ground. I mean, sometimes that really does. So I've got two other projects. I've, I've got a, I've got a, um, a trilogy uh, of movies called um, AST. Um, which uh, we were hoping still to get off the ground this year, um, but it's probably now going to happen. Hopefully, at the beginning of next year. Which, um, yeah. So it's uh, yeah, it's a trilogy of movies, um, um, American um, sort of kick-ass um, femme fatale lead, very sort of um, um, atomic blonde, um, Red Sparrow kind of kind of characters. Um, and so I'm, I'm one of the leads in that. So we're hoping to get that off the ground. And we aren't quite sure. We were hoping to maybe film all of it here in the States, but now we're sort of looking at, at Europe or Africa as well. Right. Um, it is one of those um, one of those movies that does sort of... So that's a pretty big action movie, uh, as I said, which we're hoping to um, you know, get, get filming the beginning of next year. I've also got a big um, British TV series mm. uh, that I can't say anything about. Oh, wow. Um, which we also hoping to get... A, the ground if they get their ducks in a row um in the course of the next two two three months that one that one's a pretty big one um um something that that's a role a, a kind of character that i've never played before um he's it's a really hardcore action kick-ass oh, wow. mi5 sort of james bondy type thing which is not something that I've I've really done before. Even though I've done action movies, I'm you know it's not something that I've really done. So that's going to require me to spend about uh, two three months in training, getting a six pack going. And, so uh, I might see you uh, running up uh, Runyon Canyon or something. <laughs> then you know, know shit's going down. There we go. <laughs> oh wow! Thank you so much for coming back on the program. Uh, we are all huge fans of your work. And uh, we've, you know, wanted any excuse to get you back on. And, you know, you've been doing so, so wonderful uh, in um, your post black sales career and uh, your career in, as a whole. Um, how can people get you in social media? And do you have a website that people should be aware of? 
Um, yeah, my handle is Sean C. Michael on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. So if you just type in Sean C. Michael, you'll find me there. All right. But I really appreciate the support, guys. Thanks so much, man. Thank you. And, and uh, Jen, how can people get you in social media and all that? I am following Bliss One on Twitter. And my new website is moviesmakethemeal.com. And you can always find some ramblings and some interesting TV reviews on Critical Laughs with two L's dot com as well. All right. And Yardley, how can people get you on social media? You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at militant underscore marker. And um, just to give people a head up, heads up on uh, my podcast, Creeping It Real, we actually did a review for the movie Hereditary. So if none of you have seen that movie, great movie. I, I, I recommend it because I, you know, I actually enjoyed it. It was great. It was a fantastic. So movie. was the podcast. Fantastic, oh, fantastic movie. Uh, you can get me at Kente F on uh, Twitter and you can go to our website at IndieRadio.org. We'll be back on, uh, I believe, Tuesday to do our to continue our Black Sales retrospective. Uh, I think we're doing Max, right, uh, is the character? Max and Ann. Max and Ann Bonnie. So that's on Tuesday. Sure, and, uh, you know, obviously uh, me and Yardley were big fans of those characters for many reasons. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we will be uh, doing that on Tuesday. Uh, you guys have a great weekend. God bless, and we'll see you next time. Awesome, guys. Thanks so much. Peace. I see you, Sean. Thank you.